You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan, and uh, let's we we got a lot on the agenda to talk about today, so we're gonna yeah hop I, to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess talk about the new logo. It's the fifty yard line is not the number one topic for tonight, huh? No, that falls down to number two tonight. Ah, uh, what will one be? <laughs> yeah, really. Um. So, I mean, this is sort of, oh, this is like a little silly, right? Like, but this is uh, the first checkpoint in the off-season stuff. So this is the last chance for teams to negotiate long-term extensions to players slapped with the franchise tag. That deadline was 4 p.m. today. This was always a checkpoint for Saquon Barkley, and no extension was completed. Are you shocked? I'm not shocked, as I predicted in last week's episode. This is what I thought would happen. I did not think uh, – I thought that they were going to play hardball, and I thought that uh, you know they have all the leverage in the world. And um, it sounds like there were reports today that they softened their deal a little bit, and you know Saquon's camp didn't want to move off their number or whatever, and this is where we are. I mean the bottom line is he'll still be one of the five highest-paid running backs in the league this year. His contract is guaranteed. Um, it's on him, you know, if he doesn't want to sign for the play for the, the, the tag and be the first running back ever to not play from being tagged, you know, it's on him. So I think they did the 100% right thing. As I said last week too, I think, uh, you know, this is all about getting this financial house of this team in order, not for this year, but for years going forward. And, um, with all the leverage in the world, they, they played their cards right. Um, Saquon Barkley was not drafted by this front office, so there's no you know, special favors or no special, you know, we owe it to this guy or anything. Loyalty. Yeah, I mean, you know, no loyalty would have been no tag, just let him walk. Or just the hell with him. No, so, no loyalty would have been no extension offer midway through the season. Exactly, exactly. Uh, maybe that's me just getting older and, you know, as the older I get, the less I have idols and favorite players and guys I get emotionally attached to. I mean, you know, I don't know if that's good or bad, but I kind of, you know, I'm every year I'm more about the uniform than the actual player. And to me, I I just think it's the right thing. Um, you know, how do you feel? (laughs) Um, this is kind of what I expected. This is also... I don't know. I think this is first of all, this is Joe Shane doing the correct thing, right? Uh his job is to serve the New York Giants. In 5 years, the New York Giants will still be here. In 10 years, the New York Giants will still be here, and in 30 years they'll still be here. But Saquon Barkley will not be in the NFL at that time. Um uh so he has to do what's right by the team. Let's keep in mind to what happened here. A franchise tag was given to him. That is a one-year, fully guaranteed $10 million salary. Um, Saquon can sit the year or sign it. It's up to him. 
but should be reminded that his fifth year option was for seven million dollars. So this is still a raise, and so this is essentially, um, you know, he turned down an extension at one point. And I'm not putting blame anywhere, but I'm just saying like this was a gamble for him in the off season. He bet on himself and and. The leverage didn't fall his way, and the market fell also. He lost. He bet on the market, too, and he lost. That's he cool. lost. Yeah. It's okay. And, you know, he tweeted afterwards, it is what it is. It's like almost the perfect response. I mean, this is this is still not an awful deal for him. It's the same situation as last year. It's another prove-it situation. This does not mean the Giants can't enter negotiations with him in the future. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I hope at least that relations haven't soured that much that it's completely off the table. Um only so be, th- only in insofar as I wouldn't want relations to be that that sour, you know. So now, just to break it down, that means he cannot sign an extension the rest of this year that starts in 2023. Can he sign an extension starting in 2024 yep. going forward? Absolutely. Okay, so really, only thing that was lost for the for the Giants then is the ability to take that number and spread it out over future years. So they. Pretty that number is the number right now, but they could still they can tag tomorrow, him again next year, right? Or they can also tomorrow come to an agreement on on a you know a contract starting in twenty twenty four. I mean that's probably unlikely, I mean, but that is possible. I, I I guess they can agree to it in theory, but he can't sign anything. Right. Yeah. Um, right. But look, this isn't this isn't a, a a total loss for him. This is just not what he hoped for, and uh, you know. All right, so let's be let's be serious here. He sits out of camp, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. He sits out of the preseason, right? Yep, it's fine. Okay. Do you think he misses week one? No. Me either. It serves him no good. Like I said, this is a $3 million fully guaranteed raise. His, his salary is fully guaranteed to be exactly in the same position he was in last year, a prove-it year. Does it suck that he's in two straight prove-it years? Sure it sucks, but he... He didn't have to take that option, is all. And you know what? I hate to say this, but if guaranteed money was your sticking point and not taking a multi-year deal, it's because you also kind of don't believe that you'll be healthy the whole time either. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's a personal opinion. I, I don't think he necessarily did the wrong thing, but he took a gamble and he lost, and it is what it is. As far as the Giants go, this is a perfect scenario. I don't think he sits out. It doesn't do him any good to sit out. It will only hurt him. This is ten million dollars on the table, so he'll prob- he'll play. I think at never, worst, and it's never happened before either. I mean, they're well. Le'Veon you know, Bell did it. He, he did it, and as Bobby Skinner said in his pod, I'll give him the you know the the you know the little asterisk for that for him bringing it up. That was after his second year of being on the tag. The first year mm-hmm. he played, it was the second year he was on the tag where he sat out. So. Which is, I, I guess, you could say, is more of a legitimate gripe, right? Yeah, it's like enough already. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I hope that relationships haven't soured so much that they can't continue to have a good relationship. But the only downside I really see is that there's a sluggish start for the offense the first couple of weeks, having him not really involved in team practices. And and this is not a new offense. This is not you know something totally different. But it, it is new, and that, that kind of stuff does matter. The, the language the -the on-the-fly audibles, stuff like that. I'm not saying it will cause issues, only that it might. And, you know, sometimes, I don't know, what what percentage of football is luck? I mean, there's so many times where, you know, players get lucky. They didn't know the play and, oh, my God, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So, 
just because it doesn't happen doesn't mean it couldn't happen. So, I mean, and, and that's a pretty low downside. I think this is all good news. I mean, I would have... Would you have been happy if there was a contract extension? Or is that like I would have to see the numbers kind of whatever? I mean... I mean, I'm not, I wasn't dying on the hill of absolutely no contract. I would have preferred that they kind of play year to year with him because, you know, I'm definitely in that camp of, you know, overpaying running backs, especially with the market the way it is now. And, you know, the fact that I think we're still in the middle of cleaning the, the financial books of this team. But if, if they would have got it done and maybe just not have any noise, maybe is a little better. I don't think it's, again... He's not playing for free because he doesn't have a contract. He's getting handsomely paid. I mean, what is he, the third highest paid player on the team, fourth? Uh, I don't know about that, but among his position group, he's in the top five. So No, I mean, on, on, the, on, the, on the Giants himself, on the team. I don't think so. I mean, I can look. Keep talking, I mean, though. I'll I mean, take Daniel, a look. Daniel Jones is up there. Uh, um. I don't know. I mean, it's he's definitely. I, I think he's in the top five on the team still. So it's for, not like he's for cap hit. He is, but for overall salary, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, again, it's not like he's quote unquote being disrespected. I think it's just something where, you know, it sounds like there were negotiations. You know, feeling disrespected would have been like this is final offer, take it or leave it. We're not talking. You know, it sounds like from the reports today that there were. A little back and forth, or at least a, uh, a, a, a a little bit of a going in by by the team, and they ran out of time. And uh, you know, I, if Saquon Barkley is the great guy everybody thinks he is, I think he will. You know, he'll come in, he'll be a professional, he'll say the right things, he'll play. And, and I, then, and I, th- I think that's who he is too. I, I think so too. Um, I mean. You know, he's he has don't confuse being having saying your opinions with being a bad guy because he has, you know, he has stated that, you know, he wanted to get paid. He, he but he also has said he didn't need to set the market or anything. Right. So but people get confused and they hear him, you know, you know, talking about the, the frustration. I mean, it's perfectly OK to say you're frustrated. That's not a sign of disrespect. That's not a sign of, you know, broken down, you know, uh relationship between front office and, and that so I, I fully expect him to be playing in week one me too and on the field that he'll be playing on there'll be a new logo at center field yeah that's let's talk about this because it, it seems like kind of a meaningless thing but i like talking about stuff like this i have a couple of opinions about it too all right so i'll let you kind of go first but essentially the giants uh are changing this year along with new turf right they're mm-hmm. changing the turf at the same time they're going to remove the nfl shield logo from the center of you know at the 50 yard line to the new york giants logo um i believe is there one stadium that still uses the nfl logo i think now I think we were last because I think Carolina used to have it also. And I think when Richardson sold the team, I think when the new ownership took it, they put the Panther logo in. So I do not believe anybody does it anymore. All right, then uh, have at it. Tell me what you think. Well, to me, it's two things I think this is good. Um, one, the Meadowlands is the most boring stadium probably in the NFL. It is, you know, it, it, it is a concrete boringness 
you know, they, they, they tried, they, they hyped it up when they were designing the stadium. Like, oh, it will be a completely different experience for the Jets as it will the Giants. There'll be these colored louvers and blah, blah, blah. They'll transform the stadium each week. And, you know, if you're watching a game on TV, you don't even know what stadium that is unless they you know, scan to where you can see the actual walls with the giant logo on it. So to me, giving any sort of personalization is an improvement to me. I mean, next thing would be to, you know, put a goddamn roof on that place and maybe blow out some of these concourses. We have more room, but you know, it is what it is for now. Um, the second thing I like about this, it goes back to what we also talked about last week with uniforms is putting the NY on the, on the 50 yard line to me means that they are committed to the NY on the logo, the NY on the helmet, the NY for branding. Um, I, again, think we have the best uniforms in the NFL. And, you know, the giant one, the one from the 80s, to me, I'm perfectly fine with having for, uh, you know, throwback games and, you know, color rush or whatever you want to do with it. But to me, I, I love our uniforms. And, you know, you know, there seemed to be a little bit of a creeping trend of, you know, going back to the old Giants way. But I think putting that logo on there is kind of like, they're trying to keep the branding of the NY and, and the way it is now the official logo. And that to me makes me happy. So I'm glad they're doing this. I know it's not a big deal. It doesn't do anything as far as getting closer to a Super Bowl or my, you know, experience at the game or something, but little things like that. I'm glad the giants are moving in that direction. So I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, I think that it will definitely help that, um, home team experience a little bit like i know um looking at it looks a little bit awkward for the first time but i think it'll look better when the stadium's filled with blue and they have the blue leds up and and all that stuff mm -hmm. i think it'll uh, um our eyes will round out to it my question to you though so you really like the ny i know you like the branding but was there any other giants logo i'm not talking about just the giants but throughout the entire history of that organization for the middle of the field that you would have also considered? I mean, like, there's also the idea you could have put, like, the helmet itself with the NY on it or the Giants on it. You could have put just the Giants across it. You could have put that old Meadowlands red circle with New Jersey <laughs> on it. Um, there's also yeah. the super old logo of the giant guy standing the guy, in the stadium or in the... showing like this, yeah. Yeah, all, no, all I, cool I, logos. I just want your thoughts. I, you know, if I would have said... This NY, not what else you've done. I would have said this, the helmet. Okay. Um, yeah. I, 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 I like the helmets on the field like that. It looks cool. I think it it's looks... big enough, like the circle logo takes up enough space in the center that it really looks good. I think that the NY, the fact that it's just letters, it does look a little sparse, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's going to take a little getting used to. But again, they're trying to brand that NY. You know, I'm on board. Look, if yeah. you look at a lot of shirts you can buy and different things, you see it has just the NY. I probably have four long sleeve T-shirts that just have just the NY. It's not the helmet, just the NY. Um, you know, I love the fact that it throws back to the old days. You know, the '50s and '60s when this giant team was its most successful. I guess you know, late '50s, early '60s. Right. And I guess you know, the two Super Bowl little mini runs also are up there too. But they're also in the championship a few times. You know, didn't win the the championship, but you know, it, it it's a throwback to what made the Giants, you know, 
New York's team. You know, it goes back to Gifford. It goes back to Tarkington. It goes back to Sam Up. It goes back to Yankee Stadium. It goes back to the Polo Grounds. All of that. So, you know, sports are about memories and sports are about, you know, tradition and especially sports like football. So, I, I I'm glad they're doing this. Uh, and I'm also I just pray that this team, if they ever do decide to change the uniform, they go back to the '80s one and don't come up with some cheesy thing like what the lions are trying to do i mean i think the lions have had a classic looking uniform for years or even the cardinals they had the same helmet for 60 years and now they're they seem to be tweaking it every year and each way just looks bad it looks it looks something that will be dated very soon and just doesn't i don't know just seems cheesy so i, I think the mayors are very protective of this organization this brand this team and I don't think they'll ever do that, but just hoping they, they decide not to. I'm with you there. I think I could have gotten down with one of the older logos, the giant guy throwing the ball, I think is pretty sweet. I think I could have gotten down with the helmet as well. Um, I think that would have been pretty cool. I'm willing to bend with it, but I do like that they moved on from that. This will help the home field experience. Also, I, I mean, I this isn't supposed to be like a stadium gripe session, but like, I do think that they can do a lot more for very cheap with just LED lights at that place, right? The oh, outside, yeah, there could be searchlights, you know, on that. There's like this whole outdoor – if you've never been there, I'm sure most listeners have. But there is kind of like an outdoor concourse. It's not gigantic, but there is like this little tiny like AstroTurf like field thing for kids to play on and like all this stuff. Like they could be having like searchlights and they could have like – um and these are like cheap solutions for an already built stadium. You know what I mean? Like yeah. these aren't ideal, but like you could even have like projector stuff up on the side. That scaffolding, ugly bullshit. You could do something with that. It's pretty disappointing. You know, yeah. I, I understand that they want to use as much space as they can for parking, but yeah. that that complex is so big. We live that... in an age where instead of firework shows, we have choreographed drone shows, and we can't. Yeah. You know what I mean? We like came up, we came up with a little fan festy area that's a little more than something like your church bazaar that's thrown up, <laughs> you know, on on Friday night for the weekend. I mean, I, I mean, again, who pays for it? Who's going to do it? Is it something that Jets and Giants do together? And if that's the case, then all of a sudden, do you have that just blah, you know, you know? sterile look that doesn't mean anything but I, I definitely think there's especially when we have the space to do it you know make it more exciting make it more of a full experience coming out there because it's hard enough to drive there it's hard enough to take this the train there make it a whole day of entertainment yeah i don't know i mean like you could even go so far like look it's a swamp there's no other reason to be driving there really <laughs> that whole entrance ramp way you might as well make it a big extravagant entrance way. Like you know, mm -hmm. when was the last time you went to like an amusement park? Because I know I've I've been to Six Flags with you, so I know you've been to like. That was probably the last time is we went to Six Flags sixty years ago, whenever yeah. that was. All right, so at least you know what I'm talking about, though. When you're pulling in long before you make it anywhere near parking, you're going through this big experience while you wait online in the car of like going through the gate and like it's it's really putting you in the spot like you're going to an experience kind of thing they could do something like that anything you were literally going to the middle of nowhere it's not like it's in the middle of the city or anything so i don't know whatever um but any little bit to help that sort of situation i'm in favor for i'm happy about it um can so we, yeah uh, i think it's more good news 
Can we talk one quick topic that's off topic that we didn't even discuss, but I want to, we mentioned it during the weekend and maybe talk five minutes about it. Sure. Um, we discussed during the week, just texting back and forth, the candidacy for the Hall of Fame for one Tom Coughlin. And oh, I, want, I forgot. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I want to kind of bring that up here. You know, it's something that we can quickly have a little debate about and, you know, open it up to you guys on, on Twitter and all the socials, what your opinions are. But uh, we have differing opinions on whether Tom Coughlin's a Hall of Famer or not. Um, do you want to go first? Um, no, you go ahead and make your case because I'm not super duper against, but go, go ahead, go ahead okay. and make your case. Uh, to me, Tom Coughlin is a Hall of Famer. Um, you know, Tom Coughlin, forget it. I mean, you can't look at Tom Coughlin for things like his overall record, you know, the, the lack of success towards the end of his career. It's kind of what he did with what he had to work with. This is a guy that in year two took an expansion team to the AFC championship game. That's pretty impressive. It's a guy that took a, you know, Kind of an above average, but certainly not a dynasty level Giants team, and won two Super Bowls with them. One against a team for the ages. And again, I know it's only one game being the Patriots, but he beat them. And I think, you know, the Hall of Fame is, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's known, some people get in for moments more than longevity or overall achievement, but to me, he, what he did, you know, with again, you know, this Giants team, that Jaguar team, to me, that's something special. That's Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, not many coaches have won two Super Bowls, and almost every one of them, I believe, is in or will be in when they retire. Um, so to me, um, it's kind of like an Eli to me. Not a unanimous first balloter, but deserves to be in. Um. What's I, I say that the Hall of Fame is crowded with people that are not Hall of Fame by definition. Um, I, I just don't think I, – I think that the – much like you and I have a higher bar for the Ring of Honor at Giants at, – at Meadowlands, um, I have a higher bar for – I have an even higher bar for – the Hall of Fame, and it's it's been breached already. So I'm that's why I'm not super against this. Like by the protocol of what is already, um, he's probably like a second or third ballot Hall of Fame coach. Um, but by like let's just to me, when you're not a player, um, when you're just a coach, and I don't want to like diminish it, like just a coach, but like accomplishments become sort of varied. Um, I need to see some kind of sustained success, some kind of revolutionized uh, uh, approach to the game or, or something. You know what I mean? I, the game changed because you were there or something like that. Or you were just that good of a guy. Like, you know what I mean? You have the Bill Belichick level of record of winning. You're getting into the Hall of Fame. You've just dominated for such a long time. You can't not go. That's the definition of a Hall of Famer. If you're a Bill Walsh or a Levy type where you've changed the way the NFL has to play the game because of your coaching techniques, you belong in. Um, I think you can make the – I think the strongest thing for Tom Coughlin is beating that 2007 Patriots team. Um 
That has to be the strongest thing. But I mean, when I I look at what he did with Jacksonville, which is to not win a Super Bowl or even get there. Um, but in, I think that Jacksonville's success is a testament to an old school philosophy as a foundation for teaching because he is a great teacher. And it also, it lends itself to the parity of the NFL among all other sports leagues as well. That expansion team was set up for success in ways that most other sports leagues don't execute as well, I guess. Because the Carolina Panthers were successful fairly early on in their, and they were also a 98 expansion team. So, yes, I don't discredit Tom Coughlin for taking the Jaguars in their second year to the AFC Championship. I just kind of weight it a little bit differently than everybody else. And when you couple that with a career 500 coach who, in between Super Bowl runs with the Giants, had some pretty abysmal years, which, by the way, I have been more vocal than a lot of people, at least at the time, on putting that blame on Jerry Reese and Mark Ross than on him— it still stands that I don't know what he was as a coach in those years if he had a better general manager. I don't really know. There's no way to prove it. So, okay, what? fine. By what what we've done with the Hall of Fame for now, I think he's definitely uh, in there. But for me personally, I don't think he's done enough to warrant Hall of Fame status. It's just how I, I feel. I don't think we've ever discussed this on the show, but do you have Eli as a Hall of Famer? And would you... If he did not win those two Super Bowls, would you feel the same? Well, of course not. Um, if he had not won those two Super Bowls. But I don't weight players and coaches the same way. No, players play the game. Coaches coach. So I understand that. that that's, that's why I weight it. But do I have Eli? Not as a first ballot, but he'll probably go. I mean, wh- whatever happens, happens. Me, personally, I don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I do think that he's in. Um, but also, that 2011 season was more than just winning a Super Bowl. He was electric that year. And I think it's – yeah, uh, he, was, he was electric that year. It was more than just winning the Super Bowl. Would you have him, would you have him in if you know exact same career stats, nothing changed, but – No. Let's say, yeah, I agree. I, I think the I Super think Bowl that, wins will tip the scales for you. To me, to me, and that's also with coaching as well. Is I think that's a that's a huge, huge, you know, like in 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 the baseball Hall of Fame. If like if you hit 500 homers, it's like you're guaranteed in the Hall of Fame. Right. And to to me, coaching two Super Bowls to me, you're in. It, it's just, you know, it, it's it's an it's a rare achievement. It's an impressive achievement. It's harder now than it was back then. That to me says you're in. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm i not super against it, but I, I don't know. I just thought it was a little bit more debatable than some people were saying. And I love Tom Coughlin. Um, should we switch to week nine? Season predictions. Pen and Let's pencils. Yes. Um, we're into November now, so we're into the heart of the season. It is the Giants at the Las Vegas Raiders. Still weird to say Vegas. It sure does. Sunday, November 5th. This is an afternoon 425 game. Give me your thoughts. This looks like a loss to me and Penn. I mean, again, this is not one of those loss in Penn because we're playing the Raiders. It just seems like one of those going out to the West Coast. And I have us so far at this point overachieving in their record than I think of how good they actually are. And I think this is kind of – you know, this little stretch is not going to be a pleasant listen to for the next uh, 20 or so minutes. Um, I just feel going up, going out there. I think there'll be a lot of giant fans there because it's a Vegas trip. I'm 
you know, a little um, disappointed that I have a, uh, a wedding to go to on Saturday in Tampa, so I can't go, especially when I'll be in Vegas on Wednesday to see you too. So I have to, it would have been a nice long week out there, but so I will not be in attendance, unfortunately. Um, but I think there'll be a lot of, a lot of giant fans out there, but just seems like one of those games where they're not going to be in it and they're not going to look good in it. And it's going to be like, shit, that's not what we needed. Knowing that Dallas and also knowing that Dallas is the following week, um, you know, with our record, which I project at this point being pretty good that this game, the, the finals will be pretty important. Uh, I just see it just, it looks like a trap game to me. It looks like a loss in pen. This is going to be an interesting couple of minutes here. Um, I look at this roster and I look at this coach and I, man, I don't know what Vegas is going to be like this year, man. I got to be honest. I don't either. Yeah. Um, But, I don't think it's going to be very good. I can tell you that. I mean, at this point, I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the quarterback. And I don't mean because of injury. I just I don't even know if he's the starter to begin with. I don't know if he gets benched midway through the year. I have no idea. This is a team that drafted Aiden O'Connell. Um, they still have Brian Hoyer on the depth chart. Brian Hoyer must be 50 years old. Yeah, it seems like it, doesn't it? Yeah. Um I I don't know what they're really going to be able to do with the skill there there are a lot of like skill position only talent disparity. I don't see a whole lot that I like on the offensive line. Um if if our defense can't get after this offensive line, then they're going to have trouble all year anyway. And then when I look at the the Raiders defense, man, I I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I I look at I, I see a defensive line that's going to give a pass rush problems, and that's literally it. That's all I'm scared of here. Uh, you know, if this was a neutral site game or this was a home game or maybe a different part of the season, you know, you're just matching up the New York football Giants versus the Las Vegas Raiders, I'd feel a lot different. I just think it's a kind of a combination of where this game is, when this game is, where we are in the schedule, you know, we're starting to get to week nine. We're starting to get a little nicked up because of, you know, we haven't had the bye week yet or anything. And it just, it just has that stench that I've seen a lot on road trips where we play around this time of year. Yeah. I mean, I can understand that. I can appreciate that. It's, it's never going to be easy traveling across the country and then playing an AFC team. I think yeah. like it's, it's already hard enough playing an NFC West team, but when it's like AFC, you play them over in their stadium once every eight years. I mean, the Raiders might not even be Vegas in eight years. You know what I mean? Next time we play them, they might be the Portland Raiders or something. Um, so I, I get that, and I appreciate that, but of all the AFC West teams, even the Denver Broncos, I think this is probably the most unstable situation. And I think oh, that I they probably – the hardest part will be playing in that brand new stadium that I'm sure is very loud and very hard to play in. Sure. I'll absolutely. agree with that. But, I mean, even then, like, are there – oh, uh, man, I don't want to go down this road. But, like, are Raider faithful really in Vegas? Are they coming to game? Like, is this the same Raider faithful, the black hole Raider faithful? Uh, no, I think, well, I think this is the opposite. I think this is because it's Vegas, you know – you know, 
Giant fan and Eagle fan and Patriot fan and and degenerate gambler. Well, I mean, they're always going to be in Vegas, but I mean, like the, the the fan bases have been circling this on their calendars from the day they announced they are officially moving. Like, yeah. I mean, believe me, I would have walked to Vegas if I didn't have that wedding <laughs> to go to. Um, you know, I'm you know, I I couldn't go to uh, the Gators play their, the Las Vegas Bowl last year. I was dying to go, couldn't make it. Too close to the holidays, couldn't make it. Uh, you know. Giants are playing there. I'm all excited. Oh, U2 is Wednesday night. Super long weekend. No, can't do it. So, but I'm telling you, those, it will feel like, you know, um, know, the Meadowlands parking lot outside the stadium before the game. There'll be a ton of Giant fans there. I have this as a win in pen. Good. I, I, I see what you're feeling in the trap game. I get all that. I just, I can't look at this roster. If they lose that game, that is a, bad law that's like we'll do that episode and then i'll not rewatch it i'll not think about it i i won't be able to i'll be mad for like a full week i I will be mad as well i know i'll say it's a bad loss and something that if a team you know wants to go far in the playoffs they shouldn't lose games like that that doesn't mean i don't think that was wasn't going to (laughs) happen so unfortunately and that brings us now to week 10. Giants are at Dallas. This is the second time that they faced off. They face off in, in week one. We already did that. You had that as a win. I had that as a loss. This is going to be Sunday, November 12th. This is going to be America's game of the week and 425, probably, right? Um, unless it gets flexed, I guess. Uh, Dallas at, um, or sorry, Giants at Dallas. Give me your thoughts. Second match. I got this as a loss in pen as well. I think this is when we hit that lull, that law in the schedule where similar to what we had last year, kind of like, you know, they lose they lose the Raider game. I, 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 I'm assuming they're probably going to go from Vegas and probably stay in, in Texas that week to prepare. You think they're going all the way back to New York and then flying halfway across the country again? Sunday to Sunday? Yeah, probably. Probably? I think yeah. they will fly. Okay. I mean, it's not going from... Las Vegas to well, when the, LA. The, earlier in the season, they do Arizona to San Francisco on like a three-day turnaround or something. Yeah, that, like that. that's they're definitely sat there. Uh, I don't know. It just seems like you know how I felt they overachieved early in the season. This is the part of the season where they're going to they're going to struggle for a while. Uh, Dallas is good. We're playing in Dallas. Um, as many you know, we've both been to. Jerry World, you know, not together, but we have seen a lot of giant fans there in each of the times we've been. And I'm wondering, because so many of them, I think, maybe circling their road trip to go to, to Las Vegas. I mean, not everybody's license plate guy who goes to every game. Uh, you may not see as many giant fans there for this game, uh, although it is more important than the Vegas game. But obviously the attraction, I don't know if you've been to Arlington and to Vegas. One city's a little more exciting than the other. Um, so. I don't know, just again, this just has that bad feeling in my throat about it, and I have this as a loss in pen. So uh, we're on opposite trajectories here. This is pretty pretty interesting. So I had them losing opening week. Um, this time I think we have an adjustment. Um, I thought opening week that the – Game would be close, but we would blow it at the end or, or something would happen that just wouldn't go in our favor. One mistake would be the costly mistake that we lose the game because I do think that the Cowboys losing 
um, Kellen Moore and just transitioning straight into that Mike McCarthy offense. I think it's I think it is the writing on the wall for that organization for the next couple of years. And the longer they drag out a brand new coaching search, the longer they're going to sit in mediocrity. That's just my personal opinion. I think this is where it falls apart. I think this is where Dallas starts to to crack at the seams and they are on a downward tumble. I think. Kafka and Dable will be able to adjust to whatever small things didn't go their way in the first matchup. Um, And uh, I think they're going to figure out how to best use the combination of Barkley and Campbell and Waller and Hyatt to scheme up scoring drives. They're going to hit the big shots when they get them to them, and they're going to work the open stuff that they give them. Um, And then I think on defense, I think um, it's going to have struggles with the Dallas offensive uh, it's going to have struggles with the Dallas offense, um, but I, I just I have less faith in Mike McCarthy to adapt in any way, uh, whether that's from the first matchup or from it's the first half at halftime or adjusting anything in his arsenal and his scheme. I just don't think it's in him. I think he thinks that his way is the way, and that's how you win, and that's what you do, and uh, it's going to be their doom. And I think in big-time moments – Pressures will get to Dak Prescott because our coaches do like to adjust. And I do not think that Dak does well under pressure. I think that this is a win in pen. Well, I like your story better than mine, but I'm still sticking with mine, unfortunately. So I hope you're right. And I hope I am wrong. I mean, I have us starting the year 0-1, so it's a tougher... Yeah. I don't know. I, I might... I might almost rather open it, winning opening week in prime time. But uh, I'm going to move this right along into uh, week 11, Washington at Washington Sunday, November 19th at 1 o'clock. I have this one as a win in pen too. I think this is the Giants. This is the best part of the season for Giants fans. I think this is the role where they really accumulate wins. Um, but I want to know what you think for Giants at Washington Sunday, November 19th. I have the exact opposite gut feeling. I feel like this is the, the middle – to kind of the end of the uh, the rough patch in the schedule, and I think this is the first time I'm gonna, I'm gonna crystal ball this. Um, the first time there's gonna be some grumblings from some of the unhinged giant fan base about the direction of this team. It, it does not mean that they're right. I just have this gut feeling that they're gonna lose an ugly game to Washington, and it would be two times in three weeks that they lose. Very winnable games. I know they're they're all on the road, but I just feel like there's going to be this middle middle of season slump, and I think it it happens continues this week in Washington. So I'm going to have this as a loss in pencil. Again, if you line up, you know the Giants and Washington neutral site or at the Meadowlands or even, you know, even down in Washington, you know, seven and a half to eight times out of 10, I think they win. I just think with the season I've constructed in my brain and how I think this is going to flow this year, I just think they're going to go in, lay another stinker and there's going to be some grumbling around about things. I could see that. Um, So we did this. This is the second commanders giants matchup Mm -hmm. and when we did the first one we said i have no idea who the quarterback is is it jacoby Brissett? is it sam howell 
Um, I think it's possible that we are seeing a different quarterback in this matchup. I, I agree. I think that the first time around we see Jacoby Brissett, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, the other way around. I had it the other way. I had Sam Howell to start, but he will not be around in November. No, I think it's going to be the other way around. I think they're going to. I think they're going to roll with Jacoby Brissett because he's the more steady veteran. But I got to be honest. I don't think. I think it. I think the time is past Jacoby Brissett. This isn't any like hatred towards him or, or saying he's shitty. I understand like. Uh, his role in the league, but I think it's a little late for him. And I think by now they are forced to do a switch. I think the the pressure is too much. They have lost too much with Jacoby Brissett making too many, maybe not even his fault mistakes because this is not a super talented team, uh, Jaco- especially Jacoby on the Brissett, line. Jacoby Brissett's not young. I mean, Jacoby no. Brissett is he is three Gator head coaches removed. Mm-hmm. That's a long time ago. Yeah. Even for our shitty coaches. I mean, that's still a while. So he's not this, you know, 25-year-old guy who has a lot of potential and untapped potential. I mean, well, we agree. He When he was signed, he wasn't like any sort of future consideration, right? He was a no. stopgap for whatever. Right, they're right. And, and he's carved out a nice career for himself. He's probably yep. made more money than he ever thought, he, ever thought he'd make in the NFL. And he's a nice guy to have on your roster. I mean, I'd like to have him as our backup quarterback. Sure. Because I think he knows what his role is. I, 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 yeah, like I said, it's it's no it's no disrespect to that guy. I just think by this point, uh, the fan pressure and mistakes made from an untalented team, uh, it's too much. We switch to a Sam Howell offense, and as much as these weapons scare me that they have, I am still not sold on what they have up front, and I am certainly not sold on a scared rookie quarterback. Uh, running away from blitzes that confuse the absolute shit out of him. Yeah, so, see, I'm, I'm you know, gonna build on my narrative. I'm going to build my narrative then where the, the change happens the week before this and it goes to Brissett and there's a little bit of a, a spark because of the change. Again, we have it flopped who's starting the season. Right. But in my crazy brain, it's Howell started. He kind of treaded water, was not good in, you know, weeks eight, nine and ten. And then they bench him. They bring in Brissett. He has that, oh, the old guy still got it kind of thing, and he has a great game against us, and that's the highlight of their season is beating us, you know, that right before Thanksgiving game. I mean, I could see it that way. I just think that Ron Rivera is a more measured coach, and I think he starts the year with a steady hand. That's just how I view it. But, I mean, I, I could see it going your way too. Uh, but if it goes the way I think it does with Brissett starting the year, I, I – can't see a switch to Howell being a, a win against this defense. Um, and on the flip side, I, I do think that at this point, as much as the Washington defense I do think is talented and I think at this point is getting better, now with the narrative that I've built, the Giants are on this roll on offense. And, uh, you know, with mistakes being made by Sam Howell, they'll capitalize on it. Uh, whether that's the defense directly scoring points or just consistently putting the Giants in good field position, keeping the defense on the field, uh, time of possession being lopsided. I think that this is a win in pen, and I have the Giants rolling into Week 12, where they are home hosting the New England Patriots. Topic of our Tom Coughlin debate there. Sunday, November 26th, a couple days after my birthday. What do we think? (laughs) 
I think this is the beginning of the turnaround, actually. I think, uh, you know, they, in my brain, are on a three-game losing streak. They're finally back home. Um, you know, I, I feel like this team, you know, having a three-game losing streak is not indicative of how good or bad this team actually is talent-wise. It's just the way the schedule kind of fell for me. Um the logic would say, well, the bye week is coming up, that they're looking towards the bye week, but I think I'm going to zag a little bit from that where I should be zigging. And I think they go in and they beat a eh, New England team. I'm going to put this as a win in pencil. And I think that calms everybody down. We go into the bye week and we get ready for a final stretch where I think you might hear as a preview for next week's show, a little change in my tune. Boy, I tell you, I'm left Twix, you're right Twix. I, I, I'm a I'm a dunk my Oreo guy. You're a twist them apart guy. You say tomato, uh, I say tomato. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other things. All I'm thinking about is off. I'm just all I'm thinking about is candy. I don't know where that's coming from, but well, you want candy? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I um I have this as a loss in pencil, but uh so the the main reason why, and I'm I think that if you're being serious about these matchups. This is more of a Dable and Kafka versus Bill Belichick matchup than anything else. Um, I do not think that New England is a stellar operation um, right now, but I do think that the Giants are riding in home a little cocky after a great road trip where they beat um, some high-profile teams, all three of them, two division matchups. Um, one of them being the Cowboys, which is a national team, the Raiders being a national team. Um, and they come in too cocky. And I think that Bill Belichick notices things in our defense where we expose ourselves and he exploits it. I don't think that this is Mac Jones doing something incredible, but I see an offense with Devontae Parker and Juju Smith-Schuster and Tyquan Thornton and Hunter Henry. And I just see Bill Belichick looking at film and being like, they are leaving that wide open. What a gamble. If we can just fool them with this, that shot's going to be there for us. And that's the kind of thing that I think that this is. Um, I I think that the Giants can keep things interesting on offense the same way, but I just, I feel that this is the one where they came in with their head too high and their dick swinging a little too much and they get get (laughs) caught. I think they get caught here, and it's and it's you know it's right around the time too. It's right around my birthday. We'll be at this game. It'll be the home game after the road stretch, and this will be the one that they they, you know, field goal at the end of the game kind of shit. So yeah, I have a loss in pencil. That would really you know just com- put the icing on a on a weekend where I got to go basically to the West Coast for Thanksgiving. I got to fly back for a Florida Florida State game on Saturday. You no, know, with my luck, it'll be a night game. And require a you know seven a.m. flight, six a.m. flight back to see this. And if they, you know, lay an egg, it's just going to be the topper for a miserable week. So um, I hope, you know, I hope I'm right for this case and you are wrong. Um, you know, I don't know. The NFL is just fluky. And again, I we 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 have definite. We have different narratives on how this season is going. You know, obviously, you your approach is a lot more. You know, matchup versus matchup, coach versus coach. Mine is more feel, <laughs> and um, 
we couldn't be more opposite this year. Usually we're pretty close, but this year it seems like do we have? I mean, what are, what are our records as of this point, and how different are we? Um, I if I have this right, I have us at eight and four, and you have us at six and six. But I have a feeling that we're probably gonna even out again in the next episode. Yeah, yeah, six and six. Yours sounds more right, but I mean, to to be fair, I think that this is one of the harder ones. It's not even the Giants roster so much as it's the teams. Like a lot of these teams, it's like I have no idea who the starting quarterback is. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and again, we're not factoring at all injuries into the. Any no, of this. I mean, this is just this straight up depth chart. I have no idea who the starting quarterback right. is. So. And remember, when we're talking about pens and pencils, we're not talking about margin of victory. Like we're not saying, you know. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna win this game in pen. That doesn't mean we're gonna win ninety three nothing. That means we just think the we just think we it, it's we, a confidence. We know they're going to win as yeah. opposed to well, we think we're gonna win. It, that that means we may we know we're gonna win and we might win ten nine, but we knew we were gonna win that game. Mm-hmm. So remember that too when we're doing this pen and pencil exercise. But yeah, I mean six and six is about where I see it. I, and again, I think this team. I said it last year. I, I think we'll be a better team, even though the record may not reflect it. And if we're six and six, but we I'm, we might feel like this team is taking strides over last year. Um, you know, not going to be settling for it or satisfied with it. But I think it will be an observation that we'll be making at that point. And you know, we're six and six coming off of a, you know, a a, a very tough first half of the season. A lot of home away games early in the season, and we're getting ready for a stretch run. You know, I think we'll be okay. I mean, realistically thinking, you know, if Philly is going to, you know, be the class of the division, you know, fighting for wild cards, you know, six and six with, with work to do on the on the back end, I think we're, we're, we'll take that. I think. So let me ask you this before we before we end off: eight and yes. four, six and six. Uh, it's Twelve games into the season, that's officially like the home stretch. Six more weeks to go, five more games until the playoffs. At what what do you think when at this point Giants fans are like, if only we had addressed this position, or this has to be the clear focus of the offense. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, of the off season next year. What what do you think they're talking about? Is it a defense? Is it offense? Is it a specific position? Do you know? I hope this isn't the case, but I hope the conversation isn't. Boy, I wish Saquon would have uh, signed the tag. <laughs> which oh is like, yeah, well, I mean, which, besides which is that. a possibility. Yeah, <laughs> it is. That's the case. That will be the number one and number two gripe of the Giant fan if this team is six and six. Um, let's pretend it's not though. Give me something else. Give me, give me something more. Um, I think. I think there's still going to be residual. Why isn't Evan Neal better than he is right now? Yeah, I could see that. I, I you know, and I, and I think he'll be progressing at the rate that the coaching staff in the front office thinks he should be. But fans are fickle, and fans remember get a first impression of something, and it takes a long time to get over that. And I, I, I think that's something that they're going to be a little kind of on his ass for until. An Andrew Thomas reformation happens where it's no longer the case anymore with him. So I think that's going to be one of the talking points if they're six and six is going to be 
we whiffed on Evan Neal, and I'm going to give him an extremely long leash. I'm going to say it's going to be guard, actually. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not taking anything away from Evan Neal, but I think I, I was really disappointed by what I saw from Mark Lewinsky for the contract that he was given last year. I didn't see a ton of improvement throughout the year either, mm-hmm. uh, and that, that, that frustrates me. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But I think that between the instability at left guard, where we're kind of like figuring that out still, and the guy that we spent the money on to solidify one of the guard spots is still shaky, uh, I think that's going to be a frustration. And I think we're going to start hearing the clamors of uh, you know more protection issues in the middle and that John Michael Schmitz can't do everything. Um, uh, I think we'll probably be hearing... Um, some level of let's see Marcus McKeithen, let's uh, maybe move Ben Bredesen to the right side and have Josh Azudu play left guard or something like that. I think there's going to be calls for immediate fixes in the year, um, and I hope that's not the case because we spent money on this guy. And I think it's going to be even more glaring because I'm going to crystal ball this one that John Michael Smith is going to play fantastic in his rookie year and above expectations. I agree with that. I think and he's I, going I, to be I, an anchor. Yeah. I think he's going to be our best rookie this year. Yep, I agree with that too. Yep. Yeah. 100%. So, so, you know, if you have, you know, if you have Evan Neal who's progressing but not as fast enough as some fans want, if you see your center all of a sudden's a lockdown center, Andrew Thomas is, you know, doing his thing on the left side, you know, the subpar potential subpar play at guard will be exacerbated even more. And that will be the, you know, the hot takes on the fan and, you know, Joe Lunchpail. Um, let's hope for none of that, though. Let's hope that it's something small and affordable and part of the plan. Um, that's going to do it for this one. Uh, next week, we'll continue with any more news that comes up. But uh, season predictions for weeks, I guess it'll be 13, through the end i think we're just going to finish it because yeah. we have the bye week in there and then just one extra game so we'll do the last five games and then after that we'll have our first training camp news and report <laughs> holy shit i think <laughs> you know something watching this Rays team over the last three weeks just kind of self-implode is making me more and more hungry for football because at i don't know if you guys notice this if you're watching on youtube at the exact moment that grump was talking about the Barkley no signing the Rays lost on a wild pitch in the ninth inning. So this face I was making, this was not because of the Barkley news is because my fucking rays are imploding. So I need football because I, I, there's nothing worse in life than a baseball team. That's on a losing streak. So well, the rays are imploding. You guys are downloading our episodes <laughs> oh, um, on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, etc. Um, <laughs> give us a like and a you know hit subscribe, please. Uh, it does go a long way for us. And sure. um, I, I don't really know that Twitter is going to exist in like two or three years. Well, so. we're we are locked and loaded on Threads, so mm-hmm. give us a follow. It's the exact same way you follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Threads. I mean. We have put approximately zero new threads up there, but yep. you know at some point we will. So um, um, be sure to follow that so you can be the first one to see it. 
Day, um, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, continue to follow us on Twitter as well while it exists at football underscore grump, at just giants pod, and at the cranky fan. Uh, are you going to return to Twitter at any point? You've been real quiet. I know you you said why. I, I, I have taken a little hiatus from social media for a while. I'm sure I'll be back on there at some point. But, uh, yeah, I'm taking a little break, a little summer break, just to kind of clear my head so I am not uh, – but if you want to get in touch with me, send me a direct message on Twitter. I will get it, and I will respond to you. And there you go. All right, everyone, we will see you next week. Until then, go Giants. Go Giants.